0: Thank you for such great spirit of worship that's in this place tonight. Sometimes people say, well, why do you thank people for that? Because that encourages me. When I'm in an atmosphere and it just lifts me up, I want to see the King. Amen. If you have your Bibles for a little while, and I will try not to bore you. I pray God will speak to you, but I want to direct your attention to the book of James chapter 1, and then I want you to go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. But let's read first from James chapter 1. I'm going to begin with verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 3 or 4. (laughs) James 1 and 1 James the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting my brethren count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I would like to, if you would give me that opportunity, to read that again from another translation. And it reads like this Greetings, My name is James. I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all the 12 tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Whew. I need to read that again. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Romans chapter 8 very familiar verse of scripture verse number 28 and I read again from this particular portion of scripture and I read from the trans this the same translation Uh, that we just previously read from, and and this is how it reads. It's going to be a little different than your King James, but this, I think, will help stretch your mind a little bit to really understand. Verse 28 says, So we are convinced, James, or the King James says, We know. Everybody say, We are convinced. Are you convinced tonight? You need to be. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For we know all about, for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. We are convinced, I would you would say that with me, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven, it's continually woven together to fit into God's plan for me. How many of you understand tonight that God has a plan for you? You know sometimes I think we fail to realize just how personal this is with him. He's not looking at me as some number on a board that he is But he's looking at me as the one and only, Mark Hughes. And he's looking at you as the one and only that he made. And he deals with us in that manner. He's not just dealing with us across the board as a whole volume or a whole group of people. God is continually working out individually in our lives, and he does it through a means that oftentimes causes us trouble. And so for a little while, I want to talk to you about a new attitude toward an old problem. (laughs) A new attitude toward an old problem. Everybody said "Amen." amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Sometimes I am of the opinion that though we cherish new revelation what we really need are old reminders i love reading james and the book of first and second peter because they speak volumes in a very condensed portion of scripture one uh scholar he, he's, he's of the opinion that the book of James is equivalent to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It is wisdom literature. If you want to know how to be wise, read the book of James and, and all of the subjects and topics that James addresses in his letter. And then Peter picks up the pen, writing to the New Testament believer, and he speaks continually uh, things And he, he uses the word, I remind you. It's needful that I remind you. Sometimes we don't need new revelation. We just need a new attitude toward an old understanding. And sometimes in life, it is hard for us to comprehend the ways of God how God accomplishes his purpose in my life is most often difficult for me to fathom. And so when James picked up the pen, he didn't take long in introduction. He just plunges into the heart of an issue that was troubling this New Testament church and it was of such concern to him that he felt like he needed to address it first and foremost. And it was the difficult matter of understanding adversity and trials and tests. And he associates words in this small portion of his book that seem contradictory to our way of thinking. Uh, trials and tests and adversity—I don't usually associate that with joy and happiness and bliss. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking in other terms, and yet he joins together these two uh, th- these two concepts that trouble and joy should go hand in hand. They that if you understand what that is for, if you understand that that your life is not made up of chance, it is not made up of random acts that happen, but as a child of God, if you are a child of God, then your steps are ordered of God, and there are no chances that happen in your life There is purpose that is being worked out through all of these means that we think are really uh, undesirable means of God accomplishing his purpose. And he talks about uh, this in these terms. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. The word divers means Uh, multicolored, multifaceted, any kind, all kinds of trouble. It's what Paul was addressing the New Testament church in Romans when he said everything that happened, God takes those things and he weaves them together for a purpose in your life. And how daring is the word of God to associate and bring together things that in our human way of thinking do not go together. To me, blessing and love go together, but blessing and pain. <laughs> now, uh, uh, God's word creates an unexpected communion of elements. He says things like this. Blessed is the man who is chastened, (laughs) who is whipped, who is corrected, who is reprimanded. Blessed and whipping just... (laughs) In my weak mind, they do not go together. It's like my mother when she used to get the switch to me and she was just wearing me out with that thing and we were going round and round in circles and I would hear her say, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. And I thought, you are a liar. We don't... We, we, we cannot, in our human way of looking at life, we cannot associate a blessing with a chastening. And yet in God's economy and in God's working with us and through us, he uses these means to accomplish a greater purpose. For you see, I am not found to be at my strongest or I am not found to be strengthened when everything goes my way. The only way muscles are developed in the human body is when there is a resistance against that muscle that forces it to uh, kick into overdrive and, and develop qualities and characteristics that if I had no adversity would never come. And so God brings together in his word this blessed is the man that endureth temptation, trials, suffering, heartbreak, hardship, Blessed is the man. How can you bring blessedness into fellowship with temptation? It's like trying to mix oil and water, but in God's economy. So if God operates that way, and that's God's means of bringing something about in my life, it would do me good to understand why God does it that way. And so James, in my... Uh, estimation is trying to help the New Testament church understand how trials are used for a higher purpose. How can you make trials a matter of joy? How can you look at your trial, your test? How can you look at that fire that you are going through right now? How can you look at that as an opportunity? And yet that is exactly what God intended for us to see is that when we are put in these situations, they are not done so to embarrass us. God does not test us so that he can humiliate us. He does not allow testing in my life to show my weaknesses, but to teach me how to grow. And so when I understand that and when I begin to look at this old problem of pain and suffering and trial and tests and fire, when I look at it in this new attitude, I find things that help me become a better man, or if you are a woman, a better woman. So an opportunity for what? That's the question that I would like to help answer tonight. And he reveals to us what trials and adversity are for and how we should meet them. The soul that is plunged into darkness and hard things and difficult tasks, what a strange way to, to, to bring understanding to a man uh, to tell him that when he is feeling the heat and when the pressure is being put on in his life and he's going through this almost unbearable situation that he needs to view that as an opportunity. An opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. God wants to give you greater opportunity because there's a reason, there's a purpose. He gives us this this statement so that he can help condition our mind toward these unwanted experiences. None of us enjoy pain. Nobody enjoys suffering. Nobody enjoys adversity. Nobody enjoys living through dark moments or difficult circumstances. But according to James, the fitting frame of reference that you and I should take toward these things is not what we normally would take me, and and I'm I'm just going to talk about me for a moment, but when these things come to me, my natural reaction is to resist that. That could not be the will of God. This is of the devil. It's amazing how many things we blame on the devil that have God's hand on it because we don't we don't know. We, we don't realize what God is up to. We don't understand that behind all of that, there is a plan. There is a purpose. There's an order that God is trying to accomplish. And so he says, what I need to help you is to get the right frame of reference so that when you're going through these things and you're living through these ups and downs and these painful experiences and, and sorrow and, and setback and all of that, that you look at it through the proper lens, that you understand the purpose for it all. And if you embrace this, If you understand this, if you take this adversity as an opportunity, then God said, I'm going to be able to accomplish something in your life that cannot be accomplished under any other circumstance. What God is trying to produce in my life by means of these unwanted things are threefold. Number one He wants to prove your faith. Now, by that, he does not mean that he wants to find out whether it's real or not. It is indicative of putting something in the fire, not to destroy it, but to bring out of it any unclean element so that all that remains is the pure gold. That's what God's trying to accomplish in the test. That's what he's trying to bring to pass in the trial. That He's trying to prove to me that Faith works and that there's power in living by faith. And don't ever get tired of living by faith because faith will keep you when nothing else can. And so when we look at this trial and we take a step back and we quit fighting and we quit arguing with God and we quit complaining to God and we quit whining about, whoa, I don't understand why is all this stuff happening? And we look at it as an opportunity. What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to reveal in my life? What is he trying to bring into my my being that will help me be a better person? Then we begin to understand that there's a method to god's plan it's not madness it's not meanness god's not trying to punish me because i messed up god doesn't operate that way you know that's petty that's what we humans do if if somebody shorts us we're going to short them if somebody slides us we're going to slide them but god doesn't operate that way he never looks at me and said okay how can i make his day really miserable How can I mess with his mind today? The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but he comes that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When God looks at me, God is trying. God God is not trying. God already sees what he wants me to be. And now he's trying to use all this stuff that's happening in my life to help to get me to that image. That he has created me to be. And so when we understand this, when we embrace this concept of viewing this adversity as opportunity. That's not something that's natural to us. It's not, it even sounds, it sounds wrong for me to even say that. And yet the scripture declares that when I look at this adversity, when I'm looking at these pains that I'm looking at these trials that I'm having to endure, that I need to see them as an opportunity. And when I do, he said what's going to happen is it's going to prove your faith. It's going to help bring your faith to a higher level of, of purity and perfection. Number two It's going to produce in you patience. Now, that's not just grinning and bearing it. That's not, you know, some people, when you talk about patience, they think, well, that just means God just trying to push me a little further. No, God's not trying to push you a little further. God's trying to show you something that is in you and in your faith. That if you can ever tap into that resource, it makes you steadfast, unmovable. You're not just bearing it. You're not just grinning and bearing it. You're not just going through the motions. But you've got your head up and your your shoulders squared. And you meet it head on because you know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What is against me is nothing compared to what God has put in me. Amen. And so he says, let that, let that patience have its perfect work. Let it finish. Let, let it come to fruition. Let it work its way out. I wonder how many times that God brought us to this place of patience, of perfecting endurance in our life, and we gave up. Right. We threw in the towel. Yes. We said, I can't handle this. I'm not living. I don't believe this is the will of God. And so God has to say, okay. And so we go back to square one and God starts over. You know, the reason I got to the 12th grade is because I passed the 11th grade. And they weren't going to put me in the 12th grade until I did pass the 11th grade. Now, they, don't, they may not do that nowadays, but when I was in school, you didn't get to the 12th grade unless you passed the 11th grade. And I didn't get to the 11th grade unless I passed the 10th grade. And I didn't get to the 10th grade unless I passed the 9th grade. And God works very similar. He does not allow me to go on until I've learned what he wants me to learn on this level that I'm at right now. And so sometimes because we don't let endurance, we don't let patience have its perfect work. We don't let it work its way out. We, we don't let God accomplish. We, we frustrate the purpose of God. We, we, we obviously shortchange God in his plan because we're just not we're not into that. We don't believe that's the will of God. And yet we fail to understand that there's a goal in mind. God is not letting all that stuff go on. He's not permitting that in my life just to torment me. He is allowing that to bring me to a better place. Can, that, that is so foreign to us. Some of you don't even get that right now. I, I can't even say that I totally understand that. Now, you say, that's crazy. You're the preacher. You're supposed to know everything. Wrong. There's some things about living for God that still puzzle me. And one of them is how God takes bad and weaves it into good. I love the story of Joseph. And and when his brothers finally came to Egypt and And Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and they were terrified that he was going to exact revenge. He makes a statement. He said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. The word meant in the Hebrew was a weaver's term. And, and basically what Joseph was saying was you were trying to weave a garment of destruction You were trying to destroy me with what you did. But God took the same thread that you were trying to use to destroy me and he wove it into a garment, a a, a king's robe, a, a ruler's place because I allowed him to do that in my life. And so God says, I can take those threads that are dark, and, and they look un, unpromising. And I can weave them into something in your life that will, when you step back and look at the whole picture, you say, wow, how did God get that out of this? I'll tell you how he got it. When you adopt a new opportunity to your adversity, when you get a new attitude toward your old problems... And when I, I develop a new attitude, and, and, and not only does it produce endurance or steadfastness, but it results in perfection. I love this. Fully developed, lacking nothing. This is God's aim for my life. Thoroughly furnished, completely uh, uh, developed. A full person, full grown is one translation of the word, full grown. That means you have all the characteristics of a full-grown child of God. Wow. And having all that should belong to you. Sometimes I wonder if we have everything that belongs to us. Jesus said to Jerusalem, if you had known the day of your visitation and what belonged unto your peace, what belong to your life, what, be, what I had brought to give to you. Amen. I believe it's possible for us to miss those opportunities because we're too busy moaning or complaining or griping or being angry. How many times have I heard people say, well, I just don't think God could let that happen to a person. And, and God said, hey, You've got got the wrong attitude. God's purpose in my life is not pain. Say that with me. God's purpose in my life is not pain. You say, I don't believe that. Yes. His purpose in my life is perfection. Now, he may use pain to bring me to that place, but that's not his aim. And until we understand that, We will go through life fighting God on every turn. We don't need a devil to ruin our lives. We have enough carnality in all of us that if we're not careful, every time God tries to take something that, that we don't want, some, some pain that we are called to endure or some suffering that comes in, our, and he's going to use that to bring us to a better place. And we are fighting. We're resisting. We're mad. We're angry. I don't, I'm not talking to God. I'm not praying today. I know that's never gone through any of your minds. I know you're looking at me like that. Brother Hughes, tell me you had never been pushed to the, to the corner and you just thought, you know what? I'm not on speaking terms with God today. Oh, no, I know some of you, are, I, I can see your halo. It's tilted a little bit, but I can see it. It's all right. Just, it's blinded me right now, but I'm just confessing. This is all right. This is Wednesday night confession. And God said, what I'm really trying to do is fully develop you. I don't want you lacking one thing in your life. I don't want you missing out on one thing. I want you to enjoy every blessing that I have prepared. I want you to enjoy every good thing. God's purpose in my life is not pain, but perfection. Don't Grow frustrated by the things God uses to bring you to a better place. And perfection is a better place. Now, perfection doesn't mean that I am perfect, it means that I am a better man, that I am more in his likeness. Look at those things for what they are. They are God's tools to bring to me a better me. And the reason that God is is taking us down some of the roads that he's taking us down is because his plans for us are bigger than what we could even have imagined. And in order for us to really embrace those plans and enjoy those plans, he had to take us down this road to teach us some things, patience and endurance and and faith that faith matters that faith counts that faith is not some figment of your imagination but faith is a strength that will keep you and, and and it's proven over and so god 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 does all of this to accomplish something the means that god uses to accomplish these things in my life are through struggles and tri- and test and trials and Fire and adversity. But there's always an aim. There's always a goal. Isn't that great to know? Man, I I wish I could get this in your mind and in your spirit tonight, that God has a goal to purge out of me any impurity from my life so that I am brought to be a better person, a better man Better woman. The effect of testing is to qualify me for greater things. We sing about greater things. God said, Okay, you want greater things? Greater things usually come by means of greater trials. (laughs) I'm not interested. We prayed for God's blessings on our life financially, and God said, "Okay, you want a better financial blessing? All right, I can give that to you who and then we find ourselves in this work environment we find ourselves with these the, these spiritual battles going on, we wonder what in the world is this? What's happening here? Why is there why is there so much hatred? Why is there so much vitriol in the room? I'm telling you why. Because you prayed for God to bless you. God said, Okay, I'm gonna bless you. And the means he uses to bless me. <laughs> whoo. He he is He's an awesome God. He knows what he's up to because I'm not made better when life is made easy. I'm not made better when everything goes my way. You know what happens when you let a child have their way and never correct them? They become unbearable to live with they become more demanding they begin to feel like they are owed you owe this to me <laughs> and and so they they need that. The, the verse of scripture that says, spare the rod, spoil the child. That was not some quirky little fluke thing that happened in, in a wise man's brain. He wrote it down and then later thought he might not have written it down. It was the word of God. God wanted you and I to know that that, that you, there there's a means to help get a person where they need to be. And it's not always what we want it to be. Sometimes it's through pain. There's always an aim though. The effect of testing is to qualify me for greater things. Trials are always directed toward a goal. Say that with me. Trials are always directed toward a goal. There's something God is trying to accomplish by using this that is going on in my life to help get me to this place. Amen. All kinds of experiences. He said, think it not strange when divers, multiplicity of, I mean, every kind of experience, sorrow and disappointment, pain, fire, none of it is meant to make us fail, nor is it intended to make us fall. They are meant to make us ascend they are meant to make us stronger and help us come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. The reason that God gave the New Testament church ministry, pastor, evangelist, all of those apostles, all of those ministries that God gave the New Testament church, Ephesians 4 and 11, was for the reason that he could bring his people to Perfection to bring us to the fullness of the stature of Christ. So God has a means through all of the trials and the pressures in my life because my life has purpose. If if you're not living for God, this is not a promise for you. But if you are called according to his purpose, then you have this assurance that God's taking all of that stuff and he's weaving it together for your good. If we meet these tests in the right attitude, they will produce traits in us that are like him. Amen. So what is is my opportunity? Amen. You're probably wanting me to hurry up and get to my point. My opportunity. There's three things the Lord spoke to me today. This is what an opportunity is for. Look at your pain, look at your trial, look at your fire as an opportunity for joy, an opportunity for joy. So what is it an opportunity for? Number one, it is an opportunity for me to know some things that I need to know about myself, about my walk, about my faith about my condition, about my strength or my weakness. And he says it like this, verse three, knowing this, so part of this opportunity is for me to learn some things about my walk. We're finding out things that are necessary for our improvement. Now, do you really wanna be a better person? I, hope, I think your spouse probably would like for you to be. God wants me to be. He made me to be better than I am. Yeah. And so part of this this opportunity is for me to know some things. It not only brings things to light, but it brings into existence things that need to be there. This abiding under pressure produces growth. What it works out in my life is patience. It's an opportunity for my faith to be tried and to be proven that it works, that faith in God works, that holding on and trusting God and believing in God is the best thing that you can do for yourself, for your family, for your life, for your future, to show its power and strength. Amen. Praise God. You need to know that faith works. Amen. You need to know that you can make it no matter how heavy the trial. That you can stand the heat no matter how hot it gets. Praise God. We never know ourselves until we are tried. And we never know what works until we've been through a test, amen. The strain that is caused by these unpleasant things, unexpected calamities, reveal the strength or weaknesses of our life and they are not designed to kill us or cause us to shipwreck, but to discover something, amen. To discover something, to know something, Defects in my character, faith that helps me move into a better place. So one of the opportunities in my trial is to know some stuff that I wouldn't know any other way. Amen. It works. Somebody say it works. Number two, another opportunity in my trial is to grow. Everybody say grow. God is trying to work some things out of me. Amen. Now, he may have already got them all out of you, but he had not got them all out of me yet. But God's still trying to work some things out of me, things that are just not, they're, they're, they're not for my good. They're not, they don't help me be a better person. And so God's working. He's trying to help me grow and work this out of me. But he's also at the same time trying to work some things into me. Amen. And we think we have crucified the flesh until we're put in a compromising position and then we find out that our flesh is not as dead as we thought it was. We thought we had gotten over our ill temper, our short fuse. But then that sudden provocation, that cutting off on the freeway. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. And all of a sudden it reveals that I'm not as cured of my temper as I thought I was. We think we have our affections on things above until we're tempted with some things below. Amen. We thought we had gotten over a bad attitude until the pressure was put on us and all of a sudden that thing pops back up. God said, oh no, we got to work on that. He doesn't try to kill me because I have it. He doesn't try to cut my head off because it's there. He said, okay, we're going we're gonna to go back through this again. And you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity to grow. Anybody interested in growing? Or have you reached a place where you feel like you don't need to grow anymore? I'm there. Amen. I don't ever want to reach that place. I don't ever want to reach a place where I feel like I've made it. Amen. And there's, you know, it's amazing how subtly that mentality can slip into your life. You know, I've been, I've been doing this all my life. I know how to do this. But then I find out that my flesh is not as dead as I thought it was and my temper's not as controlled as I thought it should be and my attitude gets a little messed up every once in a while. And so I have to go back and I, I have to get on my knees and, God, all right, let's work this out. Let's work this out. I want to grow. What God works and uh, works through me to produce these things. The the third thing, and I'm going to shut up. I'm going to close, I should say. Everybody say he's going to (laughs) close. Number three, opportunity for God to take me some places that he wants me to go. There's a better man and a better woman in every person in this building. Now, I know some of you have reached a place of perfection that you don't think that's possible, but I'm telling you, there's a better person living inside of you. There's a stronger man, a stronger woman. There's a more resilient person. There's a more positive, upbeat, hopeful, faithful person in you. And all God's trying to do is bring you to that better place. Don't fight the means that he uses to get you there. Don't argue with him about how he works out his will for your life. You know, it's amazing that John could preach such powerful messages of conviction that even the religious were coming and repenting and being baptized. And all he did was preach about repentance and pointing toward one that would come after him. And one day he sees him and he said, there he is. He must increase. I must decrease. What a powerful statement. Until he had to live it. Until he had to live it. Now he's sitting alone in a prison cell. Nobody's come to visit him. Nobody's called him. Nobody's sent him a text message. Nobody emailed him. No letters delivered today. Day after day after day after day after day after day after day. day. And finally, his disciples come to me, and said, I need you to do one thing for me. I need you to go. I need you to go find Jesus. And I need you to ask him, are you he? Or should we look for another? And Jesus' response to him was, go tell him what you see and hear. And oh, by the way, tell him, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Blessed is the man that doesn't get upset at how I work my will out in his life. Now, I'm not trying to make this a painful experience tonight. I'm just trying to help us understand. Some of us don't need a new revelation. We need a new attitude about an old problem. We need God to help us look through a new lens. We need to help ask God to help us look through a, 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 new, a, as a, and a new perspective, look in a new way at what's going on in life. And instead of fighting it, say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to help me understand? How are you trying to help me grow? What are you trying to reveal to me? And where are you trying to take me in this situation? And understand that all things... Work together for the good. Trials are revelatory. And God wants to show you the quality and strength of your faith and the man or the woman that you can be. Amen. Let's stand together. A new attitude toward an old problem. Amen. Counted all joy. Consider it an opportunity for joy. Amen. Praise God. It's a good thing that God's still working in my life. It's a good thing that God is able to take even the worst of things and make them work for my good. I'm thankful that I serve a God that's that way, that he is so powerful. He is so mighty. He is so awesome that he can take the worst things imaginable and weave them into a garment of praise. Amen. The world's trying to put on you a spirit of heaviness, and God's taking those same threads, and he's weaving a garment of praise. Amen. You ought to thank God. You ought to praise him right now for what he's doing. In And thank God for his mercy and his goodness that endures forever and ever and ever. Come on, let's praise him together right now. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, you've been very patient tonight. But that's what you need is a little more patience. God's going to have his perfect work. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.